This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. I just want to thank Pastor Alex and the team here for inviting me. You know, I, it really did take a miracle for me to be here. <laughs> Um, I am the chaplain at Celebration Hospital. However, I'm not the pastor of the church. So I have to clarify that part. And I've been there for uh, a little while. I came in June. Came with my family. We moved from Michigan. But uh, many of you know me. I've been here before, about three years ago. This was, this was our church. This was our family. You know? So it's, it's my pleasure to be back home. You know? And frankly, if you were not so far away... <laughs> From where we are currently living, we would be here now. <laughs> uh, this morning, you know, I just want to say a word of prayer before I open my mouth and start talking about our scripture. So if you would just bow your heads with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for blessing us. And, and I just pray now that you will guide my lips, uh, that you will be the one speaking because, Lord, if I open my lips, I'm not going to say anything sensible. So I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide me, uh, to be, uh, to use your words. That my words, Lord, will reflect your compassion and your love and your desire for us to come closer to you each and every day. I praise you, Father, for giving us this opportunity to worship you in this way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And I think the mic is working now. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We have a great team back there. You know, there are some things that we are just absolutely certain about. Absolutely certain about. I am certain today that I am at University SDA Church. I hope you're certain about that too. Else we will have to talk later. Um, I am certain that my name is John King. I am certain. I'm certain that um, I'm married to Julie, my lovely wife, and I have two kids, two daughters, Megumi and Abiella. I'm certain about these things, you know. And you're certain about some things in life, aren't you? Yeah. All right. You're certain. Most times, we are certain about who we are. All right. But sometimes, some things that we are certain about don't always turn out the way we expect. I'll tell you a story about a friend of mine. A friend of mine one day, she, she was in a hurry, and she went to the store to get something. So as she got to the store, she pulled into the parking lot, and she was in a hurry. She got out of her car, she locked her car, she rushed into the store, and she spent some time in the store. Now, because she was in a hurry, she came back out, she took out her keys. I don't actually have one, you know, the uh, remote control. Opened her car, went to the door of the front, the driver's seat, and opened the car door. And guess what? Someone was sitting in the car. What a surprise. Oh, that's kind of unusual. And this lady, actually, that was sitting in the car was equally surprised. She was so sure. 
Yeah, some people were so sure. The lady was sure she was in the right car. My friend was certain she was in the right car, but something was wrong. What had actually happened, or as we could say, what had happened was, is that the car, my friend, she parked next to a car with the identical model and color as hers. And although she was so sure, you see, when she, when she opened the doors automatically, they did open, but it was the, her car, which was parked right next to it. And so she opened that car door, and no, needless to say, the occupant was no way pleased. <laughs> so sometimes we are so sure about things, but we're not always correct. Sometimes we are sure about God working in our lives in a certain way, and in fact, He's working in a different way. I want you to turn to your Bibles and look with me in Exodus chapter 3. I want you to forgive me as I drink some water. My mouth gets very dry. I've been trying to stay hydrated, but it's not working out quite that well. So just bear with me as I drink. We have the text. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock back, led the, he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Who is this Moses? Do we know who Moses is? Yeah? Now, what can you tell me about Moses? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to let you talk with me a bit so we can have this conversation. All right? I, I like to talk to, to people you know, so we can dialogue and, and, and get to know each other a little better and, and explore this text together. Who is Moses? Pardon me? Prince of Egypt? Okay, good. So we have a Prince of Egypt. Um, he was called by God, right? Hmm? Uh, servant of God, absolutely. And so Moses at this time, he was a prince of Egypt. And what happened to him? What happened to him? Why is he not in Egypt now? He fled. Why did he flee? He murdered someone. Now I want you to think about this. Moses, when he was born, his mother hid him until he got too old to be hidden. And they took him and they placed him in, in the river. His sister Miriam watched over him. This basket went down the river and the Pharaoh's daughter picked up Moses. She drew him out of the water. And just so coincidentally, or maybe not, maybe divine, Miriam is there and she asks if, this, if the Pharaoh's daughter would like someone to nurse this child, who happens then to be Moses' own mother. Now Moses' mother then gives Moses his identity, that he was indeed a child of God. He was a Hebrew. He was one of God's chosen people, special people that God had blessed. 
So Moses has this identity, how important it is for us as, as parents to give our children the correct identity, right? So Moses does, Moses' parents does, um, parents instill this, this identity into him, but he also has another identity. He is the prince of Egypt, and people, as he is growing up, he is trained to be a leader, to be a king, and people, in fact, worship him. They bow down to him, young and old, right? Because he is, he is a man now. He is, he is walking about Egypt, and he is to be respected. But this man is now tending livestock. Isn't that a change? Have you ever had a life transition like that? Have you ever had that life transition where you were once something, someone important, but now something is different? Your life has now changed. Moses is now tending sheep that, that are not even his own. And he spent 40 years doing it. I don't know where you are, but just think about that. Forty years tending sheep after being a prince in Egypt. Because Moses chose to do it his way. And see, when I first came to the United States, um, I'm originally from Barbados, my family and I, I'm originally from Barbados. Um, I worked as a funeral director, and I worked in accounting. But when I first came to the United States, I could not get jobs in either of those fields. And what I ended up having to do, I ended up cleaning houses, and I ended up for a great deal of time working in construction. That process of God's refining helped me. So you could be going through a refining moment in your life right now. You know, you, you had this calling you had this calling and you're wondering, it's been a long time, God, and I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. And I'm tending someone else's sheep. I'm tired tending someone else's sheep. But Moses is doing his job faithfully. He is doing his work faithfully. So he's tending someone else's sheep. You see, Moses was not born a shepherd, but rather he was born to be a shepherd. He was born to shepherd God's people, not uh, to be a shepherd of uh, chasing sheep along the mountainside, but rather to shepherd God's people out of slavery in Egypt into the pastures of God's presence in Canaan. That has not changed for us. We are called also to be shepherds, to lead God's people out of slavery that's in the world and shepherd them into the presence of God. You see, let's, let's look at verse 2. And it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush, so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the, f but the bush was not consumed. 
The bush was burning with fire, but it was not consumed. You know, I, I just imagine for a moment, this is not the first time that Moses has seen a burning bush or a fire in the desert. Would you imagine? This is probably not an, an unusual occurrence. So he sees this burning bush. And yet, at this same time, um, it is something ordinary. But God is about to do something extraordinary in this ordinary circumstance. And just as in your life as well, God is also about to do something in your ordinary circumstance. If you are looking for it. You see, he had to actually look. It said, he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. This is an ordinary bush, but it is now on fire, but it is not burning. This causes Moses, this catches Moses' attention. What is God doing to catch your attention today? What has he been doing in your life? Just trying to draw you out, trying to call you, calling you to himself and inviting you into his presence. You see, sometimes we ask for blessings from God. Sometimes we ask God to bless us and to provide for us and all these different things. And, and sometimes instead of actually getting a blessing, it seems like things go, go worse. We don't actually get a blessing. And as I was doing one of my devotions one day, it's called, uh, one of the devotionals that I use is called Our, Our High Calling. I want to share a quote with you from that devotional. It says, the refining furnace is to remove dross. When the refiner sees his image reflected in you perfectly, he will remove you from the furnace. You will not be left to be consumed or to endure the fiery ordeal any longer than is necessary for your purification, but it is necessary for you in order to reflect the divine image to submit to the process the refiner chooses for you, that you may be cleansed, purified, and every spot and blemish removed, not even a wrinkle left in your Christian character. Amen. You see, we want the blessings, but even if God were to bless us as we are today, we wouldn't appreciate it because we haven't been refined. And so whatever you're going through today, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. You are spending some time in your wilderness, your own wilderness experience. And he is refining you. Don't jump out of the fire yet. You see, this fire is not meant to consume you. Everyone that God has ever called to service has been through some kind of fire. Why not you? Why not you? They all go through some kind of fire. You see, I, I think of it like this. I think of it like this. Here, here is an example of, of uh, Elijah. Elijah, it's actually in, in uh, 1 Kings 19.11. Um, Elijah says, he's He's just, he's just slain the prophets of Baal, call rain down, fire down from heaven, rain comes, and Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, and he runs. He runs for how long? He runs actually for 40 days. 
And where does he run to? Does anyone know? Hmm? He runs to a mountain. You know what the name of that mountain is? Yes, Horeb. The same mountain right here. And if you know the band, Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? Or you know the name of the band, that's exactly the same elements that came while he was there. Okay, so that's an easy way to remember it. First, right, there was what? Right? There was a wind, I'm not sure if that was first, but there was a wind, there was an earthquake, and there was fire. Um, and those are all ordinary things. But then God appears to him in an extraordinary way, a still small voice. So sometimes when we think about God, we th have God locked into a box. We think that he is He's going to look a certain way. Things are going to happen a certain way in our life. But at the same time, God is sending us, allowing us to go through a fire, a refining process to make us ready to receive the blessings that he has for us. You see, in Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, 2, 43, verse 2, Isaiah 43, verse 2, it says, when you pass through, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the river and and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you. So let's not be afraid of the fire. Okay? God is waiting for us to respond. He's waiting for us to respond. So, you have the bush. It's on fire. It's not consumed. It catches Moses' attention. And then Moses says, I will turn now aside to see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So Moses stops to see why the bush does not burn. God initiated that contact. All right? God initiated that contact, and now it is time for Moses to find out why this bush is not burning. Why is the bush not burning? Because God is there. All right? What burning bushes are there in your life that you have not acknowledged yet? That you're just so busy chasing sheep up and down a mountain. And God has this burning bush in your life, this experience, this ordinary experience that it looks ordinary. You know, let's, let's, let me give you an example what, can, what it can really be, because sometimes we overlook it uh, far too easily. One example is this. Think about this. You had an illness, or you're even going through an illness, and at the first time you were diagnosed, you felt like the world ended for you. You felt that like that was over. You had no idea how you would survive the next day. But you did. You went through that fiery furnace. You went through that experience. You survived it. But did you really see God there? Or... You might have been at a point where you didn't even know where you'll get your next meal from. 
you are hungry. And out of nowhere, someone provided for you. You might not have thought anything about it, but that might have been your daily life, and you told no one that you were suffering. And each day was hard for you, but still, you survived it. You might be going through that right now. You might be in debt way over your head, and you have no idea what's going to happen from day to day. And you might be going through that right now. But God is still there with you and you are surviving day after day. But we never look at that as God appearing in a burning bush. We are looking, we are thinking it needs to be something miraculous. But the miracle is that God cares and that he is taking you through it moment by moment, day by day, so you do not lose hope. At the end of the day, you go, I don't know how I survived it. But you survived it because God was there in that trial with you. He was not away from you. And I don't want you to get uh, to misunderstand me. God is not the author of your suffering. Okay? But God can use that suffering to refine you. Okay? He's not the author of it. We see the example of Job. He's not the author of it, but he can use that period of suffering for your benefit. Whatever Satan throws at us, God can use to refine us because we have this promise in Isaiah that we can walk through the fire and we will not be burned. No waters will overflow, will cover us over. We are safe and secure in the presence of God. But you know what? We actually have to get there. We have to actually pay attention. We have to turn aside, stop following sheep that are not our own. Stop following sheep that are not our own and be the shepherd that God is calling us to be. When in verse 4, it says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Here I am. What does that tell you? When God saw. What is God waiting for? God is waiting for Moses to pay attention. God is saying, Hey, look over here. I'm a burning bush. I'm a burning bush. It's not really burning. Look over here. And Moses could have very easily said, oh boy, that's a strange burning bush. I'm going to take these sheep this other direction over here. <laughs> you know? Moses could have easily done that. I have to stop. Because I think I do that too. We don't often take time to realize in the busyness of life, we don't stop to see the miracle 
in the ordinary things of life. But Moses stopped. He turned aside and he decided to pay attention. It wasn't anything great, nothing fantastic. It was just an ordinary, it's kind of interesting, kind of bush burning here. I'm going to go pay attention to it. You know, I never saw anything quite like this in the desert before. You know, maybe put the sheep aside, so let's see this bush. And he gets up to the bush, all right? And God says, Moses, Moses. God calls his name twice. You know what? I think if, if I walked into a desert, a deserted place, and I saw a bush on fire, uh, if I just heard my name once, You know, that might be a little, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a little strange. That's a little weird, right? Yeah? I'm the only person that thinks that's strange? Uh, all right, good. That's strange. So I walk up, and a burning bush calls my name once. You know what? I might be tempted to think. I'll say, ah, no, that's just the crackling of the bush. That's not really the bush calling me. But God called his name twice because what? I think, I think maybe for two basic reasons. Maybe there are more, you know. But for me, I think two basic reasons. One, I really mean you, Moses. This is not a coincidence. And the other, and the other one is that God was saying, this is important. I need you to pay attention. The beauty after that is Moses' response. He says, here I am. Yeah, here I am. Moses, Moses, here I am. Here I am, Lord, here I am. He doesn't really know it's the Lord yet, though, right? He just says, here I am. I, I don't know what's happening here, but this is a burning bush speaking to me. And you know what that is? In the, in the Hebrew, he the word there for here I, here I am really means literally, behold me. Behold me. I find that to be powerful. Behold me. See me. It's a little more than just here I am. Hey, I'm here. Behold me. See me. I'm the one. I'm right here. I'm present with you. And now this is the, I'll say almost a funny part. Because God all this time is calling out to him, just as he's calling out to us and inviting us into his presence. God then says this really strange thing. In verse 5, he says, then he said, do not draw near this place. What? Wasn't this the whole point of it? To get me to come here? And now I come? You say, whoa, stop. Don't come near this place. Don't come. So what's the point of it? You see, when we read that, uh, we read it from our context. We read it from how we see the world. But God gives the reason why he can't come near. Not because God is God and he is such a sinner and he's so broken and dirty and poor. and That's not the reason. That's part of it, maybe. But God called him, so we're pretty sure that's not the reason. 
God said. Let's look at the next, the very next line to that. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, I believe as Moses approached that burning bush and God said, you know, stop. Take your sandals off your feet. In, in Eastern culture, ancient Eastern culture, Middle Eastern culture, Eastern culture, even today, it is common practice and courtesy to remove your shoes before entering someone's house. This is the very presence of God. God is inviting Moses into his home, into his presence. And he says, remove your shoes. What do we use shoes for? Hmm? Protect your feet from what? Germs. What else? Glass. Hmm? Elements. Dust. All kinds of things we use germ. We use, we use shoes for to protect our feet. I hope no kids are watching me put on my shoes this bad way. Don't look. <laughs> but we use shoes for that purpose, to protect our feet. Are shoes good? Yes. You see, when I, when I was a child and I was growing up, I would run about in my yard barefoot. I will occasionally get some accidents, you know, have some problems, you know, might stub my toe a few times, more times than I would care to admit. Um, and I'll get stuff stuck in my foot. But for the most part, it was safe because I knew my yard. I would never run about barefoot outside of my yard because I didn't know what was out there. Right? And so shoes, as nice as they are, though, and they protect our feet, you would not put your shoes on your dinner table. No? But you love your shoes. You need them. You use them every day. Surely they're important to you. You wouldn't have your shoes at your dinner table? You wouldn't take your shoes to bed with you? No? I know some of you collect shoes. I know, the statistics are just, you know, this, this number, someone collects shoes, you know. But the, the, the point of shoes are to protect us. They do what? They actually separate us from the ground. Yeah? yeah? Moses comes into God's presence, and what does God say? What's God saying? I don't want any separation between you and I. No separation. You don't need to protect yourself from me. I am a safe God. No need for separation. In order for us to wear, whenever we try, to wear shoes in God's presence. We are driving a wedge between ourselves and God. You know, how do we drive that wedge? We drive that wedge sometimes, but when we say, oh, dear God, I need a job so badly. Please answer my prayer. But 
you know I have a problem with my finances, so I really can't return tithe. Dear God, dear God, I, I really want you to help me find a spouse, you know, someone to love me as I am. But I really don't want to give up the relationship I'm currently in. I'm kind of hoping for the best here. You know, I know it's not the one that you would like, but I'm hoping you turn this person into the one I want. We are not willing to walk barefoot in the presence of God and trust him to take care of us. We need to remove those sandals off of our feet. We need to surrender completely to our Lord and Savior. You know, And as much as footwear protect us from the elements, being barefoot protects us. Barefoot in the presence of God protects us from a whole lot more. Amen? Amen. So, God then identifies himself. You see, God has been calling, calling all this time, calling Moses, calling you, calling me into his presence. Calling out to us and calling us into his presence. And, and sometimes what we see is not who God is. So he's calling us into his presence. And he says, in verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, Whose father? Moses' father. Not God of your fathers, so we are clear. Right? God of your father. And Moses' father's name is uh, Amram. Someone that Moses knew personally. He had probably met his father. Right? And the God of your father. He had a direct relationship, personal relationship with his father. Uh, he's also the God of Abraham. I want you to watch the pattern here. I'm God of someone you know personally. I'm the God of Abraham. Abraham, who is known as, you know, God's friend, faithful to God, father of the faithful, friend of God. I'm the God of Isaac. And you know what's interesting about Isaac? Isaac is not special. The only thing special about Isaac is his birth. He is a God of promise. This is the special thing about Isaac. Isaac did not do anything particularly extraordinary in the Bible. There was no special thing that he did. But he's also the God of Jacob. Well, we know what Jacob was like. All right? Jacob was the deceiver, then turned servant of God. God identifies himself through Moses' ancestry and says, I can be trusted. I know all of your family. I know you. I know everything you have been through. And I love you anyway. And I say, come to me barefoot. Take off those sandals. You can trust me. I'm going to take care of you. And what happens to Moses? 
He hides His face. What happens to us when, when someone knows who we really are? It makes us ashamed. When they know every detail of our lives and they know all the things we have done, good and bad alike. And most times there's more bad than good. But more than that, it's not even the things that we show on the outside, but just imagine now someone knows all the thoughts that you think. Because we can put on a pretty good show. But when someone knows all the thoughts that you think and says, come, come, I want you. I want you anyway. Moses hides his face. It reminds me of Adam and Eve. They also hid from God, and God went searching for them. God is searching for you today, and he is calling you into his presence. He's inviting you to have that relationship and to live with him. You know, it's, it's hard to surrender to God. I'm not going to make it, oh, you know, you just surrender and it's all right. You know, it's all right. You just surrender to God. Just say, God, I surrender. And everything is going to be rosy from there on out. Every day you surrender. Every day you surrender. There's not a day that goes by that you don't surrender. Because the enemy is looking at you every day. He does not get tired. He does not get weary. He is looking for you every day. And every day you have to get up and say, God, I surrender to you. This day is yours. I surrender to you. He says, moreover, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I'm going to share a story with you. Share a story with you about a friend of mine. A friend of mine you know, I told him I was preaching today. He said, you know, you can talk about me if you want. He practically insisted, you know. So I won't give his name. I don't think I should. I won't give his name, even though he gave me permission. This friend of mine, he's not 30, not yet 30. But he's spending quite a bit of time in the hospital. And if you were to go to visit him, you will see the, the IV pumps. He's been in bed for, he had been in bed for several weeks. And more than that, if you were to go to visit him, he has tubes running out of his body, draining various fluids and liquids. And he says, he says, you know, John, I don't know why this happened to me. but I know God is using it for something good. He has had more surgeries. Now let me just scan the crowd here. He's had more surgeries 
than most of you are in age. And he says, I don't know, John, why this is happening to me, but God is going to use it. And he says, you know what, although I'm here in this hospital, I can't tell you how many lives are changed when people come to see me. And you know what his faith is like? This much. You know how much Bible he knows? This much. But he knows enough. He knows enough to trust in God. He knows enough to take those shoes off. Unfortunately, we know so much that we keep them on and chase sheep around a mountain. And God is just simply saying, you can trust me. I'm going to walk with you. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. For God so loved the world that what? He gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus laid down his life so we can enter into the presence of God. And when he did that, Jesus also told us that come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus knows you, and he loves you anyway. And God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is our God. What are the burning bushes in your life? Sometimes we think that God is not speaking to us when every day he is there in that burning bush saying, look at me. I want you to think for a moment how illogical the thought is that God is not speaking to you. Christ gave up his life for us to be before our Father in heaven. Heaven gave up everything to save us, but we would think that he doesn't speak to us anymore. We would think we need a miracle, something miraculous for God to speak when it may be that we are just not listening. We're just not seeing our Lord when he calls out to us. And so this coming week, this is what I want you to do. Look for those burning bushes in your life. See where God is calling out to you. Take off your feet, your your sandals. Stand barefoot in the presence of our Lord and Savior as he bids you to follow him.
into his presence.